Hello, Podicumans. Brett Maddox here. Today, we are diving right back into the Faith Once Delivered document that was produced out of the John Wesley Institute. You can check out our show notes for links to the John Wesley Institute and to this document, which is available for free download. Remember that you can connect with us on social media at Podikesis is where you can find us. You can email us at questions at podikesis.com, or you can connect with us through voicemail 404-635-6679. Now, let's start this episode of the Podikesis podcast and continue our discussion on the attributes of God. Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends and the greatest UGA football fans oh on the planet, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. <sighs> well, I wish that was true. I'm a huge dog fan, but I've got folks in my church that are probably bigger than, than I am. But uh, how about the dogs? How about, how them, about dogs? them dogs? About them, uh, dogs. And, this is going to age well, hopefully. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We'll know if we're ever going to mention this on air again. Yeah. That's true. Well, and Alan, you're like a legit dog fan because you actually graduated from yes, UGA. No, I'm not. I I went to the school. I paid tuition, or at least this, you know, the government did, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, no, uh, big uh, big day against the balls. So yes. uh, so we we yeah. mentioned this um, because not too long ago. We had a uh, we had a pot of cumin out there who decided to oh, troll us a little yeah troll yes, us yes. a little bit. Uh, Michael Kopic, um, you know who you are out you there. Know um, you, are. <laughs> you know who you are. So let me just kind of share with the uh, the the Potikesis universe a little bit. Uh, Michael he tweets us. He says, "I follow you for two reasons." One, we're co-laborers as pastors in the UMC, leading renewal in the power um, of the Holy Spirit. And amen. I just wanted to look, amen. Just Praise stop the Lord. right there, Michael. Just stop. Just, just stop, right, stop there. right there. Period. End. Absolutely. Yes. But then. But he doesn't. Then, Michael, being a Tennessee Vols fan and not knowing how to stop when you need to. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh dirty. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. He says, the second reason I follow you is to talk smack when my Vols run the dogs out of Sanford Stadium in two weeks. This was a couple weeks ago. By dropping 60 on y'all, God bless. Wow. Wow. Is that like 60 How ounces ba- of Coke on the stands? Or... <laughs> oh, Michael. Michael. I mean, talk Michael, about we love you. We appreciate well. you listening. Yeah. Um, you know, and not all of us are sanctified. Amen. We're, yeah. we're on the way. That's right. And just talk, you know, Alan, you said hopefully this will age well. Talk about not aging well. It did not age well, Michael. That, that, did not well. That, <laughs> oh, it did not goodness. age well. I mean, so, you know, listen, I'm just going to, you know, we're just going to let the play speak for itself. That's all I'm going to say because, Michael, well, I mean, we really do appreciate you listening, and we want yeah. you to continue listening because there will be future matchups. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to beat you some more. That's and, and listen, and listen, um, if you're ever looking for some things, we have plenty of volunteer work at the Podcasts Podcast <laughs> office. I like it. I like it. I like it. FYI. So just one more thing. He, he made this bet with us. I'm going to call it a bet, a wager, if you will. Okay. That a Pascal's is the, wager. If... Uh, <laughs> 
Pascal's wager. If he would, if he, if the Vols would have won, he was going to call our voicemail. Ooh. By the way, four zero four six three five six six seven nine. Got it. Yep. Good. He was going to call our voicemail, and he was going to sing Rocky Top, and that we were going to have to play it. Oh. Okay. And you know what? I thought, okay, that's fair. That's fair. But there was nothing reciprocal. Yeah. You know, so I just want to yeah. add this. Since we will not be playing Rocky Top because the Tennessee Vols got decimated, okay. um, I think that Michael needs to call and sing Georgia on my mind. Ooh. Hmm. Georgia he, on he, my he mind. Could, he could do that or he could call the dogs. He could call the dogs. If he wants to do that, um, oh, that's fine. Either the one. Dogs. If yes. he doesn't feel like he has a good singing voice, you know, yeah. just do just do, you know, calling dogs. Gosh, so the amount the of dogs. graciousness coming out of Alan. Right I know, now. right? It's just yes. you know, like, I feel I mean Hey I just Michael, we just want to hear from you, bud. We just want to hear from that's you. That's exactly so. right. So we want to hear particular things from you, but we want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, oh, we man. call All our right. voicemail and uh yeah, we'll start showing a little bit more grace. Come on, guys. Let's I'm starting to feel like shock jocks right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sanctified shock jocks. Um, Anyway, I I don't know. I don't know if that even goes together. All right. Well, uh, the uh, Potecumen Nation out there did not join us to hear about us trolling. Troll a Tennessee fan. They, they, y'all joined us to talk about God and to uh, talk about the attributes of God. And um, what we've been doing, we've been going through a document that the John Wesley Institute uh, published um, in early 2020 called "The Faith Once Delivered." Um, and you can find that document. It's a free download. You can. We'll have a link for it in our show notes. Show notes. And uh, we've been going through this document, and it's just—it's—it's it's been good for me, honestly, coming through some of these bakes, basics of the Christian faith from a really distinctive Wesleyan point of view. Um, and so we've been talking about the attributes of God, and uh, today we're going to talk about God's holiness and that God is also spirit, that God is spirit. And uh, we're going to be looking at those paragraphs in the faith once delivered. So I'm going to turn it over to the main man, Mr. UGA himself, Alan Kaysen, to lead us through these paragraphs. And with All that right. high level of education, this should be a beautiful reading. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure whatsoever. Um, So what does it mean that God is holy? Well, uh, this is paragraph 23. God is holy. He is perfect goodness, a goodness that is not tainted in any way. In him there is no blemish, only absolute purity and self-consistency. Though such holiness is distinctive of God's absolute perfection, God invites creatures to share in his holiness. Mm. Amen. Amen. So, what are the implications of this for us? What are, um, what are, what is meant by God being holy? When we think of God's holiness, what comes to our mind? Doesn't holiness mean boring? Uh, <laughs> it means stodgy, stodgy, um, boring, yeah, boring. I think it depends on which church you go to. Oh, <laughs> God can't dance or gamble, so there's that. Mm. Um. No, uh, holiness doesn't. Holiness itself just mean, uh, at its very basic core, mean that God is separated or that He is uh, uh, different from, um, unique. Could be. I mean, that's a that's a. I like I like that for holiness. Um, I think uh, the separateness may be, you know, contextual. I push on that a little bit. I think I he's think... unique in that he is perfect. perfect. Yeah. Well, so what I mean, separate is that he's separate from other like deities or de- like there's only one god 
Yeah. So um, let, let me uh, make a little distinction. Before we define God's holiness in relation to other things, God's holiness simply is before other things. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, right. uh, sorry, Brett, it's just my logical brain here. Go for it. Um, so, in, God is only separate from because He has created other things. So, in His pure nature and attribute, um, I think that the TFOD, which is our fancy name for the faith once delivered, yes, uh, really kind of pulls that out. Perfect yeah. in goodness, in a particular kind of goodness. Yeah, uh, perfect in consistency and purity, um, absolute perfection. Mm. Yeah, I, that I have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's yeah, that's great. I, I I guess when I was talking about God being separate, it was more of in relation to probably from kind of a historic uh, Jude, Judeo, under you know uh, monotheistic kind of point of view mm. uh, that there is only one God. Oh, it's that Deuteronomy thing coming yeah, out again. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that makes perfect sense. Well, I so um can I go ahead and just go to my main man, Thomas Oden here? Thomas Oden. Yeah, um, ladies his, and gentlemen. <laughs> in his uh systematic theology, um he says that uh, uh speaking of God's holiness, he says that God is utterly transcendent. He's the other he, blah, let me try this over again. How y'all doing? Um he says that God is the utterly transcendent one. Uh, who is nonetheless comparable, uh, who is nonetheless incomparably present in our midst. Transcendence and eminence are not separable in the Hebraic faith. The very one who is beyond the finite and human is intimately manifested and warmly knowable within the human sphere. It is a common misjudgment to take only one side of the transcendence-eminence dialectic, which is to miss the chief interfacing point. It is precisely the holy God who is with us, the transcendent God who is imminent and dwelling in the world. So uh, to sum that up, basically, uh, Odin is, I think, exactly what Jim was leading here, is that he is, he is both, he's transcendent, there are, there, he's incomparable, but then he is also imminent. He is with us. Right. And that is, that's, and you can't separate the two. No, and, and, the, and the thing is, too, is that God has always been that way. Right. Um, from the very beginning, the being of, of the very being of God is uh, transcendent and imminent um, because God created the things to be near and chose to do it. So therefore, it is good and right for him to do so. Right. Um, it's not that one day the Son became flesh and Jesus walked, that God was with us finally. Um, it's from the beginning, God has been intimately present in and among his creation, and there's oh, yeah. separation that comes from the end of humanity. Yeah. But God has never—I st- mean, even through the prophets, when, when, when God is separate, even before the prophets, God speaks to yeah. uh, the patriarchs and to Moses. God leads them in a cloud of fire, the Spirit of God— falls upon the prophets. And so God is always breaking in and through cre- uh, creation, time, and our understanding to be near. In, uh, in Sandra Richter's book, The Epic of Eden, which is a fantastic— uh, Amazing. Amazing yep. entry into the Old Testament. Um, she, 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 that's kind of one of the rubrics she uses. It's like the presence of God among the people of God. Like that is uh, uh, within the place uh, that God's people dwell— and so that 
God's presence is always with his people in some form or fashion. And we see that in the Old Testament. We see that definitely in the New Testament. And even today, our understanding is even though Jesus sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, God's presence is still with us in the Holy Spirit. So we're, and, and, and so God's presence is never not with us. Right. So, and and it's tough to break through because, um, I guess for a long, long time in human history, God has felt so completely other and out there. I mean, that's what like the deism uh, in the enlightenment was really picking up and, and grabbing hold of is that God is out there separate, uninvolved. And, and it's probably because it, feels that way to humanity in our natural state. Hmm. Um, and I mean, what else are you going to go on but your point of view, right? Right. Um, and, and, and then we just have the, we're such sensory beings, like, mm-hmm. I've got to see it to believe it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, give me, bring the receipts, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that when we don't know what it looks like, sounds like, feels like for God to be imminent, which simply means near, mm-hmm. then it, then the the logical move is, well, God is not near. And, and so I think, kind, I think a, a lot of that just comes from that place. And this kind of gets into the discussion we'll get into in just a moment about God being spirit yeah. um, and, and the implications of that. Um, so w- when I think of God's holiness, um, one of the things that comes up is uh, throughout Scripture, you'll see this call from God to God's people— to be holy because I am holy. Mm-hmm. We see this come up in the Old Testament. We see this come up in the New Testament. First Peter 1, one mentioned this. Uh, be holy because I am holy. Even the teachings of Jesus when he's like, uh, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I mean, that's a holiness. That's holiness language. Mm-hmm. So what is meant by that? What is our kind of response to God's holiness then as God's people? How how can we be holy as God is holy? Yeah, I mean, here's this um here's this other worldly other thing, you know, God, yeah. this holiness that that we, we're even having trouble coming up with the words to talk about it. Yeah. And yet he invites us uh, I love the way the 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 Tifod says God invites <clears throat> creatures to share in his holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and be holy as I am holy. Mm. I have no idea, guys. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, but I, I think, um, we are, I mean, we, we're made in his image, right? So, yeah, um, I was going to get to so, that. Maybe so this we is image language. And the, right. And the, and, and the T-Fod is, is broken down in this whole idea of image, yeah, right. um, as you read it. Um, and we're made in his image. And so we are invited to be holy as he is holy. We're, we're invited to be, um, good and pure, um, like he is. I mean, if that's, um, without blemish. And of course we, we understand now that that's made possible from Christ's sacrifice. Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah. There are two ways to think about that. Um, be holy because I am holy. Be perfect because, you know, your Father in heaven is perfect. The first thing is it feels like a challenge and a gauntlet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, an unachievable one. Um, sure. One that will just fill you with resentment and why even try. Yeah. Um, the other is, on the flip side, is that invitation. Did you know it was possible? Did you know that it was possible for you to live in such a way that you are, or to be 
holy because God is holy. Mm. And so that's that invitation aspect. Um, it's the same thing that I think of when we uh, read that verse out of the gospel where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. One vantage point on that is, oh, it's so exclusive. The other is, thank God there's a way. Amen. Right? Yeah, right. Um, right. It's the same thing here. This is this is both a reproof because we need to keep in mind the ultimate goal of our life is to be in the deepest oneness and union with God, which means that we would be holy as he is holy. Um, the other is that it's possible that this is the kind of life that comes in, that that comes into play when God invites. So, absolutely. And I think, uh, as you were saying that, I was looking up kind of the, I was looking up the context of that First Peter. First um, Peter one sixteen. Yeah, one sixteen. So here's context? the context. Of that. What's context, man? That's crazy. a context without a pre- pretext. Without a, a text. A text without, without a text. A, text. a pretext. Proof text. <laughs> let's ben just Witherington, let's, I can't. let's butcher it. Let's go ahead. Ben and Witherington, get on the show and yes. yeah. make your quote for me. It is a, a text you without listen. a context is a pretext for whatever we want it to be. There you go. Oh. Bring it home, Brett. B- so W three. W three. So uh, here's uh, here's what uh, Peter writes. He says that therefore be uh, preparing your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like the lamb, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Mm. So even this is not a, you know, a... a, a a, a, a hind, not a, a, a weight added onto us. At the very outset, being holy is based upon grace that is given us. Yeah. It's like, a gift that it, yeah. is given based on nothing that we have done, um, and it's nothing that we can do. Right. Um, it, is, it is a gift from God. And it is a gift of God, and it is something to be, you know, we've talked about this in other episodes when we talked about sanctification, that this is this is not a pie-in-the-sky thing or some sort of impossible reality, but that this is something to be pursued, right? It's something to to grow into. Yeah, you'll see this here throughout Bible, the Bible. I think the Judeo-Christian faith is what we would call a teleological faith, mm. is it is always moving towards an end. Yes. Not like an ending, but towards a goal, towards right. uh, a perfect goal. And you see these calls throughout Scripture often to remember who God is and, and the call for us to be holy, because it's easy to, say, maybe receive the benefit of, of consolation in a moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I've, I've had a blessing, I feel a little bit better, my life's gotten a little bit better, and that's what it means to be Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but Peter and Jesus and Leviticus mm-hmm. and throughout the Scripture reminds us, Paul, that we press on because there's an end that we're right. seeking. Right. Um, and so that's what we keep in mind. It's not just a set it and forget it. I've received my consolation and blessing. 
I'm mm-hmm. a little bit different in the Christian life. That's all there is. Yeah. Hey, everyone, we will return to the show in just a moment, but we just wanted to take this time and tell you about some of our favorite people. As you know, the Podakesis Podcast is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network. Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for the mission. For more information and resources, you can visit www.spiritandtruth.life. We also want to let you know about the Spirit and Truth Conference, March 9th through the 11th in Dayton, Ohio. Last year, uh, the Podakesis podcast crew went to this conference for the very first time, and honestly, it was life-changing. It was so impactful. And so we want to invite you to join us at this conference in Dayton, Ohio, March 9th through the 11th. You can register now. Registrations are open. Early registration is open at spiritandtruth.life, and you can follow the link there. You can also put the word podcast, podcast, in the discount code box and get a little bit of a discount on your registration. So uh, we hope to see you in Dayton, Ohio, March 9th through the 11th of 2023, as we all come together in worship, seeking God's Spirit, and being uh, and, and just fellowshipping with each other as we grow closer to Jesus. And now, uh, that's all I have, so we're going to get back to our conversation about the attributes of God. You know, I, I love how Paul, you mentioned Paul. I love how he, I mean, in a couple of places, he, he, what's he say? Not that I've already obtained it, but I press on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that. But then there's that line he says in Philippians where he uh, says, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his, uh, of his resurrection, to participate in his suffering so that somehow I can uh, participate in the resurrection or that I can. Uh, and there's that sense that even in that teaching that. Yes, here is a man who knows Christ intimately. I mean, he's had an image of it. He's seen Christ. He was impacted by the risen Lord. But then you've got you've got uh, Paul saying that even in his time of, you know, the, he's writing to the Philippians, I want to know Christ. And I think he's like even more intimately. I want to right. know him. Like this is not something that, yeah, I know Christ, so it's done. But as, as uh, Jim was saying, that this is a, I want to know him even more. And in yeah, a I sense, would... yeah. I would think even so, even if we look at um, the sanctified life in the Wesleyan slash Ken Collins definition of of an existence of perfect love, like we yeah. exist in perfect love, there's still uh, there's still glorification, right? Right. right. So right. even mm-hmm. even if you even if the Spirit has shed abroad the love of God so deeply in your heart that you live in and through perfect love that there's even still more to look forward to. Right. Um, right. I, now, I could be wrong in making that distinction. I might be mixing my theologies, but I think that there's that, there, that even in the state of earthly perfect love, that there's that that saying of oh. Paul that says, to die is Christ, or, and, or to live is Christ and to die is gain. gain. Yes. That there's even, you know, that let me be with him. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, and no, so, because I think the perishable must still inherit yes, the imperishable. Yes, yes. So I mean, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're on. I mean, like there's a, there is a, yeah, there's still glorification to happen. Yeah. In, I um, mean, I think for, I think for a lot of us, it's like, okay, per, uh, entire sanctification, full sanctification. Um, that seems like a long shot. Um, yeah. you know, uh, 
we can't even fathom glorification, but um, both are possible, all, me, mostly, if not all, because of the grace of God. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely. how it happens. Yes. Right. right. That's how it happens. Right. And um, yeah, I, because we can easily say, and, and maybe I'm doing a little sanctification defending in my brain here. Um, Paul says, well, I want to know Christ. Well, I haven't gotten it yet. And I think, I think it would be hard, we'd be hard-pressed to say that Paul either didn't know Jesus. That would be, we'd yeah. be hard-pressed to say that. I think we'd be hard-pressed to say that Paul wasn't sanctified. I yeah. think what we, might, what we might see is that Paul, maybe in his visions to the third heaven or wherever he went uh, with his sky miles, um, <laughs> that Paul, even in his holiness, had a vision of perfect, eternal, you know, a perfect union in glory. Beatific mm-hmm. vision, as some traditions put it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, part of me is it's that whole bumper sticker. I'm not perfect, just forgiven, and mm-hmm. and you can read that into Paul. It says not yet that I've obtained, haven't obtained. Yeah, right, yet. sure, yeah, right. But I don't know that that's. I don't think we're talking the same language. I'm on a little tangent now, so y'all can bring it back. <laughs> no, I think I think you're absolutely right because it's. I think it's a misreading of Paul to uh, get into that. Um, I'm not. Perfect. I thought we I'm weren't just... supposed to read Paul. Isn't he bad? Well, um, <laughs> ooh, that's funny. Ooh, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, but it is a misreading of Paul to say that you know he advocates I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven because throughout, I mean, I Paul, I do think has great theology and teaching on moving towards something greater mm. um, in our faith journey, in our journey of faith. Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, that's exactly what John Wesley's picking up on. When he uh, brings that, you know, as Kevin Watson calls it, the grand depositum of mm. Methodism to us, um, in his book on perfect love. So, uh, hey guys, you know, um, you know who is perfect? Jesus. If you, if, the Georgia Bulldogs. If you say Stetson Bennett, know. thank you very much. <laughs> if you say Stetson Bennett, just wanted to bring it back home. I just wanted yes. to bring it back home before we moved on. So, so right. you know, who's in, not perfect. The Tennessee Volunteers. The Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we just so, lost so many listeners right now. So this is uh if we had is, them, yeah. If we had them. <laughs> I just want to think about this. Um so the implications are cool for what it means to us, right? And yeah. and you have to talk about that. Um, but I always go back to just sit and look upon a holy God, mm. your God, perfect in goodness and absolute purity and self consistency. Yeah. And just think about how beautiful that is, how powerful and transcendent that is. And then if if that's something that strikes you, see, I've always said the more we know and study about the nature and character of God, the more beautiful our understanding of God is, yeah. and the more open our, our spirit is to the movement of God's spirit. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I and you know, I've also have found it helpful to look at other faith uh Christian faith traditions. Heretic. Um did you say heretic? <laughs> uh, Sorry. I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I forgot I'm on video and this is being yeah. recorded. I just get called a heretic, man. I'm just this... sitting with my buddies. I forget this is going out to other people. <laughs> I will say, though, early on in our uh, time together uh, on this show, you called me a heretic a lot more than you used, you do now. So that's oh, okay. kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, so... there's something there in our past we need to talk about. Thanks for bringing <laughs> that up. 
Our therapist, our therapist, therapist yeah. appointment isn't until next week, Brett. That's true. It's true. Michael, we need you to text back in, to, uh, tweet back into us. Uh, yes, please do. Uh, please do. So, uh, but I do like to look at other Christian faith traditions, particularly historic ones. So, like the Orthodox Church. Uh, the Orthodox have a, you know, even though I'm not Orthodox, even though there's, you know, a lot I don't understand about that tradition, they have this really beautiful. Uh, understanding of the transcendence of God. So if, even if you go into a worship space, an Orthodox worship mm-hmm. space, I mean, they literally have the table closed off like it's, uh, it, as an image of God's transcendence. They really yeah. push into the go- idea of God's transcendence, but not as a way of we being separated from God, but it really just shows us not only that, that yes, God is this holy other, but he's also eminently with us. Yeah, and and that's separated by the iconoclast. It's like a big right. curtain, yeah, um, of, of beautiful icons, uh, and I can't remember what they all are. But the the priests, that the yeah. way that their churches are set up, will come in and out. Yeah, um, and so worship takes place in both spaces, and yeah. humanity is invited in both spaces. And there's something beautiful about that. Right to wit to witness and be a part of that gives you a sense of that bigness and and otherness and perfection. Yeah. I remember Philip Yancey in a book that he wrote uh, called Re- uh, Reaching for the Invisible God. That's the book. Really great book on prayer um, that he, he, he wrote. Um, uh, he, he speaks to that about how being in that Orthodox worship service really humbled him and uh, did a work on him on when it came to approaching the, the, this transcendent but imminent God. Mm. Um, really good book. I need to go back and reread it. I, it's been several years since I've read that book, but really, I remember it being very impactful when I did. Um, all right, so something that goes along with this idea of God's holiness is the fact that God is also spirit. We see that in 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 the biblical text. It says God is spirit. You know, there's these certain places we'll see God is love in First John, but we'll also see that God is spirit. And so we want to talk about what the implications of that are, but let's look at the paragraphs before we do. All right, we're going to look at, uh, we're going to read 24 and 25 together. Uh, the eternal God is not merely a super powerful creature. God is spirit, meaning first, that God is not part of the material creation, and second, that God is superior also to the spiritual creation. Uh, parentheses, seen and unseen, as stated in the Nicene Creed, uh, in parentheses. God is beyond all categories and all definitions. Uh, paragraph 25, God is spirit, Jesus says, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth, John four twenty four. Simply by being who God is, and apart from anything God has done, God is worthy of our worship and reverence. Simply, I, like that. I, I, simply, I love that. Like, yeah. since apart from anything God has done, yeah, um, God is just worthy of our worship and reverence. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so let me, as we get into the discussion of this, let me read uh, just a couple of quick paragraphs here from uh, Odin. Now, I know people make fun of me on liking Odin as much as I do, but he he has a way. No, of putting, just us. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> But he has a way of putting into words the, the classic faith that um, is very helpful for me. So o- Odin writes on, the God, uh, on, Jesus, on God being spirit. He says that the scripture directly ascribes to God the distinctive attribute of spirituality, John 4, 24. This signifies that God is invisible and incorporeal, that is, not a body. 
however vast, not reducible to matter, not an object of empirical investigation, not visible to our eyes, even though electronic telescopes and electron uh, uh, even even through electronic telescopes and electron microscopes. Uh, the God who created the world and everything in it and who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by men. It is not because he lacks anything that he accepts service at man's hand, for he is himself the universal giver of life and breath and all else, Acts 17, 24. Although Scripture does speak of God as present within localities, that does not localize God's essence. For God is spirit, and being spirit, God is no object. And then he says, uh, he writes that in the Hebraic religion, it is forbidden to reduce God to a visible image or idol or object of the senses. Uh, we see that even in the Ten Commandments with one of the commandments mm-hmm. there. Sure. This moral requirement corresponds with the divine attribute of spirituality. For on the day when the Lord, quote, for the day on, uh, that the Lord spoke to you out of the fire of Horeb, you saw no figure of any kind. So take good care not to fall into the degrading practice of making figures carved in relief in the form of a man or a woman or any animal on earth or a bird that flies in the air or any reptile on the ground or fish in the waters under the earth. That's from Deuteronomy chapter 4, 15 through 17. Similarly, the New Testament declared that we ought not, we ought not to suppose that the deity is like an image in gold or silver or stone shaped by human craftsmanship or design, Acts 17, 29. For God is intri- uh, intri- uh, intrinsically non-objectifiable, uninvestiga- uh, uninvestigatable as a laboratory object, and unseeable as a phenomenon. Now, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot there, but to summarize this, yes, the there, idea, is. there is a lot there. But the idea here is that God cannot be reduced to an image that we create. Right. That's, that's the whole issue here. God being spirit, if God was anything other than that, like if God was reducible to an image, to a body, to a form, that would mean that we would put God in that form or in that image. He would ultimately be made in our image. And so that's idolatry 101, right? Right. And so that's the whole issue here. God being spirit and, God, and, and the affirmation that God is spirit is an affirmation that God is wholly other, that he is not... Um, he is not reducible to our image. I like I like how this puts God is not merely a super powerful creature. I had some MCU vibes going on there. <laughs> um, I mean, if you think about it, like uh, when we think of power, we think of things that are powerful. Yeah. Right. Um, we got a tropical storm coming up through Florida right now, and that is yeah. powerful, and, and we all we call that an act of God. Um, you think of um, very powerful, strong, or influential people, and we, we joke about them being like a God, mm-hmm. um, and, but God is even more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a powerful, you know, an angelic visitation, um, God is even more different than that. Than that. Right. Um, and that's just kind of beyond our imagination. Everything that we would think of as an analogy is an analogy. Right. Yeah. It's I, like, um, yeah. Like, so like God is not simply um, Captain America, right? Like one right. of us, but with superpowers. Right. Um, right. Right. Because I think that's where our brains sometimes go. 
Um, but that is anything that resembles us or anything of creation is a, is, um, is a downgrading of who God is, is, is a misrepresentation, misunderstanding of who, who God is. He is, um, he is not a creature. Right. I think that's what, like, yeah, he's not, not a spiritual, cre- he's not a spiritual creature either. Right. Right. Which right. Is a, which is a yes. neat distinction. Yeah. Um, um, God is simply God spirit. is beyond all categories and all definitions. Mm-hmm. That's what the T five says. Right. Uh, beyond all categories and all definitions, He is His own. Th- you know the, the Genesis one, in the beginning, God. Um, and, you know, before anything was there, before anything was created, God. Right. Um, and so. You know, some because of this discussion, some would ask, is it even appropriate to speak of God in even like anthropomorphic terms? But the only reason we can appropriately speak of God in these limited, finite terms is because that's how God has revealed himself to us. Right. That's how he chooses to reveal mm-hmm. himself. Sure. So it's almost as if he's not, he's not us, but he will reveal himself in attributes that we can wrap our finite, sinful, broken minds around, um, and that's and that's the only way it can happen. I mean, that's it's a it's a form of grace, and and, and it is grace for well, God that, to break through, and that and that is all tied up in the concept of incarnation as well. Yes, um, that the Son of God was born human. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all tied up in there as, as just, well, for many theological reasons, one of which is likely to communicate in mm-hmm. ways that can be understood. Yeah, yeah. The old body language yeah, kind of thing. The fact that, and yeah, the, that's it. Go ahead, Alan, sorry. Well, and the one who created us, the one who is uh, beyond any creation, mm-hmm. would know how to communicate with us mm-hmm. in a way yeah. that helps us to understand mm-hmm. who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It, it, that to me, so, you know, some people who will say that, well, you know, doctrine is boring. You know, doctrine mm-hmm. is just these big terms. And, and rules, they, man. And they rules. haven't listened to the Podkeys podcast. That's true. No, they, they haven't. haven't. But this, it, um, I was talking, <clears throat> I did a sermon not too long ago on um, the importance of doctrine particularly the faith once delivered to us, the, the classic doctrines of the faith. And the way that I put it is that doctrine gives us language. It gives us pictures, if you will. It, it helps us to describe and to talk about and to interact with a holy God, a transcendent God. This, I think classic doctrine, it accentuates the eminence of God's presence. Like, this is how he... Um, relates to us, and we can relate back to him as through doctrinal language. Um, and so for me, it's beautiful. It's like it's worshipful. Uh, it's, it's this type of it discussion is. that helps me realize, because if we couldn't have this discussion, then I would get into that place where God is, he may be transcendent, but he's not reachable, but doctrine allows us to reach him. Like, it, it helps us to be able to talk about him and to, and to have a relationship. I mean, it's, it's worshipful. It really is. I think about it like um, focus on a on a camera. If you get, I've got a buddy who's got he does sports photography over uh, here. So he's got he, one of those one long, of those lenses. It's yeah. like taller than me, which isn't hard to do, but for a lens, <laughs> um, 
And he's talking to me yesterday about how how much autofocus has changed and gotten better. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking doctrine is doctrine is like the focus that helps us to see, mm. um, to see and know what it is that we're who we're in relationship with, who is seeking us, who is this God of of, of whom we live and talk. Um, it brings God further into focus. So mm-hmm. we can appreciate the the things. And like these articles are like the zoom lens um, on mm-hmm. that sports photography. You're like, look, look at the expression in his eyes as he goes to catch that ball mm-hmm. um, and sack the Tennessee quarterback. <laughs> um, I mean, like we love to see that stuff. Like look, yeah. look, look, take the look on the face at the final catch of the World Series. Yeah. You love those things. But then you back up and you yeah. can see the whole picture. But now the whole picture is more exciting and immersive yeah. because it's in focus and you've seen the pieces up close. Right. So there's my extended metaphor. I think it I think it matters. Um the only, you know, people doctrine is not popular now. In yeah. fact, dogma is a bad word. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um and part of that is simply because um it all has ethical implications. Mm. You know, everything we say about God has implications about the the way we should be, live, and move in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe we can, maybe that's been misused in ways in the history of the church that need to be talked about. I'm, I'm In fact, it sure has. Has, yeah. Um, but I don't think that the answer is to jettison doctrine. I think it's to reclaim it. Sure. Yeah. You're absolutely right about the, the ethical implications <laughs> of it. <laughs> In the study of uh, in <laughs> in the study of the history of religions, they they talk about um, the establishment of not just monotheism but of ethical monotheism, mm. and because it you know, and particularly when it comes to Judeo Christian uh, um, thought and and, and belief, um, is that you've got it's not only just the worship of one God; it's the there's an ethical implication implication that comes out of that. So it absolutely has ethical, you know, uh, pieces. You know, I, w- I was thinking you were using that sp- the sports photo uh, analogy, and I thought that was great. You're absolutely right. As you were doing that, I was also thinking, you know, one of the thing about doctrine is <clears throat> as you grow in your faith and you grow in your understanding of God, doctrine helps bring that – bring our uh, – Give some clarity to us, and the image that came to my mind was like uh, with the Hubble Space Telescope. Ooh, um, was you know when the Hubble Space Telescope was first launched, it was blurry. Uh, the the mirrors were off a little bit, and so you know that's you know when we're early in our faith, our image of God is is kind of blurry. Um, it's good, it, yeah, it's good, but it's it's a little blurry, mm. but. Um, it requires some correction, and that's what doctrine does to it. it helps us correct it. And so, uh, you know, they sent astronauts up, they fixed the mirrors, and so then for you know two, three decades, the Hubble Space Telescope pictures that were coming out were this incredible, uh, incredible thing. It was you saw the pillars of creation, and you saw uh, you saw these nebula, and you saw all just all this wonderful, beautiful stuff. You even started being able to see the uh, the, the the theoretical like black holes come into picture. Um, and so that's what doctrine does. But then doctrine can also just continue in our life of, as we grow closer to Christ. We can continue to have our focus refined even more and more and more. And I was just thinking about just recently, I think it's the James Webb Telescope, that we started getting those images back, how even more 
clearer and more uh, even better quality than what the Hubble was putting out there. I mean, yeah, see, yeah, it's beautiful. Oh wow, it's on yeah. the back of Alan's desktop. Yeah, beautiful. Yes. Yes. That it wow. even gets clearer and clearer and clearer. <laughs> That's what doctrine for me does is, you know, I, I as I grow in my faith, I grow closer to Jesus. Doctrine helps to take that relationship that is growing and to just make it clearer and clearer and clearer. It's good right. stuff. Yeah, hey, man. I want to I want to recommend um one for you guys, and two, I think I'd recommend it for everybody. Do you, do you, are you all familiar with uh, Chad Brooks? He did the Productive Pastor. He's a pastor in Louisiana. I think I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter and YouTube. Um, so he put out a video a couple of days ago. It's called The How, Why, What, and Belief of, of Belief. Mm. Um, and it's apparently going to be a little series of us. I thought it was phenomenal. One of the things he talks about, I'd look up the reference. It's in the video. He talks about the one of the... Frameworks of faith, talking about what has always been believed by everybody everywhere as the core of Christian doctrine. Um, and that's that's a really beautiful thing. That's that's the doctrine that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and I would encourage folks, if you're interested in these doctrinal conversations, that's a neat little conversation to be a part of as well. We'll give a shout out to Chad Brooks. And part of the reason I'm doing that is to maybe like siphon off some of his viewership. <laughs> um, you know, every time we can tag somebody, you know, you enter a new community. It's all Absolutely. selfish and unholy. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is well, not holy. a move towards perfection, well, but we'll still do it anyway. Just proof that we are not God. Ah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, that's awesome. I need to watch that too. Uh, I haven't seen that. I do, like it's, I said, it's I, pretty, yeah. it was pretty good. Yeah. That's awesome. Man, this has been, I've, I've had fun with this discussion today. This is, uh, you know, you start getting kind of, into the, I don't want to call it into the weeds because that's a negative way of putting it, but you can get into the depths, if you will, of this. And sometimes, sometimes the language and sometimes the words and the and the, the whatever on on doctrine can get convoluted. But if we look at it as a means of focusing us, our language, our image, our uh, helping us to see God even more clearly, to have that deeper relationship with Him, it actually is m- most meaningful to me. Um, it. You know, things like the Apostles' Creed becomes more than rote. Whenever I sit there, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Like, that becomes powerful. Mm. It just becomes... In the Nicene Creed, when it talks about uh, Jesus, light from light, true God from true God, it's... When you just really just lock into it, it, it is beautiful. I, I can't, there's not, I, there's no other word for it. It's just, it's awe-inspiring. Um, Agreed. And, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, man, what a great discussion. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the Trinity. Now, we, we've talked about the Trinity a lot in the, the previous season when we were doing the, catech, the shorter catechism, uh, but we're going to really be looking at this from a Wesleyan perspective, and, uh, and, um, and it, the, the TFOD goes into depth on this. There are 11 yeah, paragraphs on this in the TFOD. On, um, and that's just the, by the way, just that's the introduction. We get to God, yeah, it's like God. Then, then there's God the Father. Then there's the Son, the Son. Then yeah. the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, this will be fun. Oh, it'll be, awesome. be great. So uh, we look forward to bringing that episode to Gosh. y'all. Um, and we want to hear from you. So, Michael, 
and all fun and man, we and, love and, you. Man. Yeah, we love you. Yeah. Uh, we love this interaction that you, you you gave us. And to those who have called into the voicemail, for those who uh, <laughs> have been interacting with us on uh, through email, uh, we love you guys. Thank y'all for the interaction. Keep it up. Um, keep keep it up. And uh, and Michael, we do look forward to hearing um, either you call the dogs or uh, Georgia on my mind. We're going to leave it up to you. You get to choose <laughs> hey, between. And um, Chad Chad Brooks, listen, buddy. Yeah. Um, I just followed you back. For some reason, you were following me. Don't know why you would choose to do that. <laughs> but um, I just followed you back. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, That's I'm going to awesome. check out that video. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, That's we'll put awesome. that in the show notes. I'll send the link out show to notes. you guys so we can get it in the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. Uh, that would be great. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, Potty Cumans, we hope that you have a great day. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. As we end this episode, we will have all the links mentioned in the episode, particularly those links pertaining to the John Wesley Institute and the document, The Faith Once Delivered, available uh, in our show notes. That uh, document, The Faith Once Delivered, is available for free download. So just click on that link and go download it, and you will have that resource. It's fantastic. Uh, be sure to hit us up on social media. At Potechesis is where you can find us. You can find us on our website, podbean.com and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast so share us with your friends and tell them just to find us wherever you can leave us a voicemail uh, 404-635-6679 or leave us an email questions at podcasts.com and as always leave us a five-star rating and review on apple itunes which helps us out there we greatly appreciate it And we greatly appreciate you. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one and God bless.